Good morning, church. It's always wonderful and a pleasure to be able to come together with all of you for worship. I'm thankful for, uh, for these past two weeks as I've been able to, to use uh, my last two uh, uh, official weeks here in the pulpit to share the verses uh, that have shaped my own personal ministry. Last week we focused on uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, otherwise known as the Shema, uh, and this week looking at 2 Timothy 2. Um, these verses have played a, a huge impact in my own uh, spiritual formation, not just my approach to memory, or uh, to, to ministry, not memory. Because uh, for those of you that don't know me, I didn't grow up in the church. I actually grew up in a divorced family. Uh, neither of my parents were believers. Uh, they weren't opposed to the church, they just didn't really care one way or another. Um, I lived with my mom. Uh, she was an amazing woman, did uh, the absolute best that she could, and I visited my dad every other weekend. Uh, but my father was never really that engaged in my life growing up. Uh, if anything, one of my main takeaways was that he was disappointed that I did not play football. Um, but I started going to youth ministry when I was a freshman in high school. I was going to Ridge Baptist Church. This was the fall of 1994. Um, so pretty much all of our students in here uh, were definitely not born yet. But I had a, an amazing youth pastor named Chuck Harvey who didn't just teach me how to read the Bible, but he taught me things just about life. He, he, he was the one that taught me how to change the strings on my guitar. And as I continued to, to spend time with him, uh, he was an amazing model of what a godly father and husband should look like because I didn't have that type of role model in my own life. In the spring of 1997, I started going to Metro North Church out in Goose Creek. Uh, that was where I first uh, encountered the, the Presbyterian Church. Uh, and John Schley, the youth pastor there, who's now the associate pastor there, but he was a youth pastor then, he continued modeling that example of biblical, godly manhood. Uh, not just being that model of a godly husband and father. He continued that, that modeling, yes. But he continued that model of how Scripture applies to every area of life. And he didn't just teach me Bible studies. He didn't just lead uh, me and my friends in, in studying the Bible. But he also continued that role of teaching me things that you would expect a father to teach a son. He was the one that taught me how to change the oil in my car. He was the one that taught me how to, how to plug a tire and things like that. And because of the role of these two men, Chuck Harvey and John Schley, these men inspired me to continue that trend of pouring myself into students. I was a youth ministry major at Charleston Southern and John Schley continued mentoring me, uh, not just as a student, but he was developing me in ministry. 
He was teaching me how to be a leader and a teacher. How to teach. He was discipling me how to disciple others. He taught me things like writing a, a lesson for, for youth group. He taught me uh, just the, the nuances of teaching. He taught me and modeled for me the art of pouring yourself into your students. And over time, these two men, Chuck Harvey and John Schley, moved from just being mentors in my life to being friends. They went from being men who poured themselves into me, but there came a point where we were ministering shoulder to shoulder. And it all started with these men sharing the gospel with an obnoxious teenager because I was, I was really annoying. But they walked through life with me. They are models of what it means to not just be a Christian at church, but what does it mean to model the Scriptures in every aspect of your life. God used these men to model this passage particularly that we're looking at today. For me, I saw this Scripture lived out. It shaped my ministry and I am a firm believer that 2 Timothy 2 is a core value of not just youth ministry, but for the church, capital C. For all of the church. And I would suggest, or even argue, that 2 Timothy 2 teaches us that every believer is charged to make disciples who make disciples. People aren't just a one-time project. You go and give the gospel and then you're done with them. You just abandon them. There is a place for evangelism and, and things like that. But every believer is charged with the important task to make disciples who make disciples. An ongoing trend. And this passage focuses on three major points of that process. First, focuses on gospel relationships and the art of making disciples who make disciples the first point is gospel relationships the second point is gospel reproduction it's a process it's it's a manufacturing line almost but with soul and heart behind it so gospel relationships gospel reproduction and lastly the focus of having a gospel reminder so in the art of making disciples who make disciples, our three main points are gospel relationships, gospel reproduction, and the gospel reminder. And before I go any further, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for the freedom and the opportunity to come together and worship Your name. We could have been anywhere else this morning. We could have stayed in bed underneath those nice warm covers, but yet we came here because You have brought us here for us to hear Your Word. You have brought us here to build us together as Your people, as Your church. And so as we're here this morning, I pray that You would pour out Your Spirit in this place. That You would speak to us through Your Word. That You would use a broken messenger like myself to communicate Your mercy and Your grace and Your truth to Your people. Be with us now and speak to us through the victorious name of Your risen Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now as this, the name of this letter implies, this was a letter 
to Timothy. This was another letter written by Paul to Timothy as he was pastoring the church of Ephesus. And 1 Timothy is, uh, is much more of a, an instruction guide of preparing Timothy as he's uh, uh, pastoring this church. But 2 Timothy uh, is more of a reminder letter. It's this call to spirit-empowered boldness. It's not just kind of a, an instruction booklet or a, a how-to guide, but it's a reminder for Timothy to focus on the power of God's Word. And in that process, how to make disciples. And in that process of making disciples, the first thing that we see is the importance of gospel relationships. The very first thing that Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, or 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened. He calls Timothy his child. Timothy at this point is not viewed as his student. He's not his partner. He's not even... My disciple, Paul says, my child. There's a sense of of tender affection here of a father speaking to a son. In the course of the Gospel itself, in in the ministry of the Gospel, in the act of carrying out the Gospel, Paul views Timothy as his son in the Gospel. That these two men, who at one time had nothing to do with one another, The power of the Gospel has brought them together like a father and a son. And Paul is modeling a godly leadership for Timothy in the way that I love you as my own child. This is an example for you to love others. To those whom you are ministering, love them as they are your child. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What you have heard from me is this reminder that Paul has been pouring himself into Timothy as as Paul and Barnabas were on their missionary journeys, as, as Timothy accompanied them on their travels. That Paul was pouring himself into Timothy. That Timothy was not just sitting under his instruction, but that he was seeing how to do ministry, how to do life within the context of the Gospel. What you have heard from me, entrust to faithful men. What I have poured into you, pour into others. What I have done for you, do for others. The same care, the same instruction, the same Godly affection, what I have given to you, give to others. Give to other men. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a reminder that the process of discipleship is an ongoing process. It's not just a one-time experience, but it's building relationships with people applying the Gospel to that relationship, and then modeling how to continue that in the process so that the people that you are pouring into will go out, that they will find others to build relationships with, that they will pour into those people, and the, continue, and the process of discipleship will continue on and on. And for years I've said that in the process of discipleship, 
that people will find themselves in one of three places, sometimes more than one at a time. But you're in a position where someone, where you yourself are being mentored, where someone is pouring into you specifically. A mentor and you are the receiver, the, the mentee, if you will. Or in the process of discipleship, there will be a shoulder-to-shoulder process where you and, and someone are discipling one another as you are walking through life together. So someone can be pouring into you or you are walking side-by-side side with someone or you are in the process of mentoring others where someone has poured into you, now you are pouring into others. And I'm a firm believer that a healthy spiritual life at some point, hits all three. You can't just receive and consume and not give out yourself. The Christian life was never meant to just receive, but we are called to take what we receive and pour out to others. In the process of being mentored, you see how Paul himself was a mentor to Timothy. And for you yourself, a mentor might not necessarily be someone that's older, but it's someone who's more experienced. Someone who has walked through life and can actually say, I've been there. I've been where you are. I've had that struggle. I've had that heartache. I've had that grief. The struggle of being let go and having to find a new job. The chaos of, having, of adding children to your family of going from none, no kids to one is a huge, tremendous leap. But every time you add more kids, they're, they're the, it adds to the chaos. And to have another parent say, I've been there, I've lived through the chaos, and I can tell you, it changes. It, it gets better, it gets harder in some ways, but it changes. It's not always this, this struggle. For those who are new to ministry, to have someone that has walked through that process to say, you know what, I've, I've gone through the, the, the rigors of studying. I've gone through the, the flogging of ordination. I've, I've gone through all of these trials and I've been there and I, want to, I, I just want to share my experience with you. Someone who will walk with you and speak to your heart. Not necessarily telling you what to do, but someone saying, this is where I've been. Let me share that experience with you. And I want to ask, do you have someone in your own life that can pour into you? Because even as adults, we need the wisdom of others pouring and speaking to our hearts. There's the process of discipling shoulder to shoulder where you're walking through life together. And as Paul and Timothy began as a, a mentor and, and a, a trainee, that at a certain point they became co-ministers. They were, were ministering together, similar to Paul and Barnabas, or even the apostles, that they did ministry together. In the process of doing ministry together, you read throughout the New Testament this, this phrase, one another. It's all throughout Paul's letters, this concept of one anothering. Share your burdens with one another. Challenge one another. Encourage one another. As Christians, you and I are tasked with the glorious burden 
of one anothering. To live our lives in such a way that your burden is not your own, but I am here to bear it with you. That your grief and your sorrow and your struggle is not meant to be taken upon your shoulders by yourself, but as the body of Christ, as the body of believers, we are called to come together and walk through these, through these experiences with one another. And in the process, we are, sh- we are shoulder to shoulder discipling each other. Do you have believers, people that you trust, confidants that you can open your heart to and that are willing to do the same with you, that you are walking through life speaking gospel truth to one another? In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, the author writes, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That you and I are called to every day encourage one another, exhort one another, so that way the hardness of sin does not take over our hearts. Or in Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Christian life is meant to be with other believers, encouraging, exhorting, challenging, lifting one another up. Or as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You and I are called to speak into one another's lives in our process of growth and maturing and discipleship. In our culture of individualism, a lot of times we like to think that our spiritual growth is just me and Jesus and that's all I need. But the New Testament, Scripture as a whole, speaks to the value and the importance and the need of God's people to encourage one another and build one another up. Do you have that in your own life? And are you making yourself available for other believers in your life? Or mentoring others. As Paul poured himself into Timothy and encourages him to pour himself into others. Do you have someone that you can pour yourself into? Parents. And I'm specifically addressing parents here. Is that it is our job as parents to pour ourselves into our children. Our job. Our God-given vocation. Our children are our primary ministry. Our families are our, are our primary ministry. Teaching them the value and the importance of God's Word. The value of coming together with God's people. The riches and the depths of bringing your doubts to the Word of God and letting the Word of God speak peace to the chaos of life. But it's not just for adults. Students, you are able to disciple others as well. As people have poured themselves into you, you have the opportunity to disciple others. 
non-believers in your life, you can pour yourself out into them. Or even, and, I, and this is one of the things that I've, I've loved to see over the past 20 years of working with students, but I have seen generational ministry of seeing high schoolers that will pour into middle schoolers and middle schoolers that will, will volunteer and serve with children's ministry. I've seen students pouring into other students, older to younger. And these children, you, you older students don't, might not realize this, but the, the children of our church look up to you and say, when I become a teenager, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like her. And so students, you have an amazing opportunity to share what has been given to you to our younger children of our church. So it's not just something for adults to do. But the art of mentoring others is as simple as making yourself available to walk with someone else. And just as someone poured themselves into you and said, I've been there, I've walked through that, I know what you're going through, you're able to do that, to continue that pattern, to continue the process of discipleship by pouring out into others what has been poured into you. And sometimes you're just not ready to do that yet. Sometimes you're just not at a point where you feel confident enough to do that. But if you are, I challenge you. Make yourself available for others. Are you at a point where you can pour yourself into others? Are you able to continue that process? And if you are, are you doing it? It's one thing to say, yeah, I'm at a point where I think I can, I can give my time to other people. You know, I can, I can you know, get together with, with someone for lunch or coffee or get together on weekends with them. But it's one thing to say it, but are you actually doing it? Are you continuing the biblical process of discipleship by being with other people? And this is the art of of the second point, gospel reproduction, because mentoring and discipling others is the heart of Paul's second point. Gospel reproduction. That is the job that Christ gave to His followers. You might have your earthly jobs and careers that that you do to to pay bills or, or at this point in your life. Your vocation, if you will. The thing that you do and that you're called to do to the glory of God. And children, even you have your own, your own job, if you will, your vocation. Right now at this point in your life, your job is to be the best student that you can be. Being a student is your job. Do that to the best of your ability. But the job of every believer transcends just earthly vocation, but the job of every believer is to make disciples. After His resurrection, Jesus charged the disciples with the great commission to continue spreading the Gospel. In Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
The job of the believer is to make disciples. And that's done by going. It's done by baptizing. It's done by teaching. But it's an ongoing process. That, that was not just a one-time deal that Jesus gave it to them and they spread it out and then the rest of, the, the rest of history, history the, the church is just, alright, it's done. The Gospel was spread. I hope you guys got it. But no, every believer, every follower of Christ is called to continue that commission to go to teach, to spread the Word of God, to continue the process of making disciples. And so Paul is giving Timothy a similar charge here. What you have heard from me, give to faithful men who are able to teach others also. What I have given to you, you give to others so that they can continue the trend to pour it out more and more. And this process is not just about starting up a Bible study It's not just about having people over to your house and cracking open a Bible once a week. It's not making sure that you come to church every Sunday. But it's this process where Paul says to Timothy, as you were my disciple, you go and make more disciples and teach them how to continue the process of going and making disciples. For me, it was looking at how Chuck Harvey and John Schley discipled me. Not just in Bible knowledge. Not just uh, sword drills and Bible trivia and how to have a, a, a hilarious Mad Lib with middle schoolers. Ministry, is, it includes all of that joy. But they modeled gospel application. Taking the truth and the knowledge of Scripture and applying it to the rest of of life. And so as they poured into me, I've had the opportunity to pour myself into others. And sure, there have been some students that have stopped going to church, but I've also had the joy and the honor and the pleasure of seeing students that I've discipled continue that process of discipleship. That as they got older, that they continued the process of pouring out into others. And it creates this legacy of disciples pouring into others to make disciples who will make disciples. And so discipleship is less about studying and Scripture memorization, which are good things, but it's more about creating a legacy. Studying Scripture memorizing Scripture. Those are good things, but they're not the whole. But you have the opportunity to invite other people into this family. The family of God's people. As the good news has been given to you, you are tasked with sharing that good news to others. So are you reproducing the Gospel? Do you share with other people how the Word affects your life? And I don't mean just sharing Scripture verses on Instagram or having a a nice Bible quote on Facebook, but are you actually sharing how the Word has affected your life? You don't have to be a scholar to do that. You don't have to, to... 
learn ancient Hebrew and Greek. You don't have to memorize the, uh, the, the, all of the kings of the Old Testament in order to share your testimony of God's work in your own life. It's about walking with others and pouring yourself into them and teaching them to continue that process. And as you invite them into God's family, I challenge you and encourage you to be focused on the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which leads us to Paul's third point, the Gospel reminder. When talking about the job of the Christian, the job of making disciples who make disciples, it's easy to see that as a responsibility and a duty, and the natural reaction would be either to feel burdened and feel like, well, I, that's, too, that's too huge of a task for me. I, I, don't know, I don't even know where to start. Or the other extreme would be just to reject it and say, well, that's legalism to say that Christians have a job to do. And, well, I, I don't need to do that because my faith is just me and Jesus. But look at where Paul tells Timothy to find his own strength in this process. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's not telling Timothy to look at himself. He's not saying, look at how far you've come or how much you've grown. He's not telling him, well, just work harder or just make sure that you're teaching the law and all of the, the sub-laws underneath. He's not guilting Timothy, saying, well, if you were a good Christian, you'd make sure that you did this. He's reminding Timothy, look at Christ. Look at what He did. Because Christ is the perfect example of that gospel relationship we were talking about earlier. In John chapter 1, John wrote that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God the Son stepped into His own creation In the Old Testament, God had made Himself known to His people by saying, I am, I am. I am Yahweh. That is the covenant name of the God of Israel. And yet it's intensified and personified in the birth of Christ. The Word became flesh. We just celebrated this at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God stepping in to His own creation and dwelling, living, eating, sleeping, working, everything, doing it with His people. Jesus wasn't just a mentor. He wasn't just a good teacher. He came as the Redeemer of a rebellious people. Throughout Scripture, we're reminded that all people are born into sin. Romans 3 tells us that, reminds us that no one is righteous, no, not one. Romans 5 describes us in our rebellion as enemies of God. Every time you do what you know is wrong, every time you don't do what you know is right, Every selfish thought, 
Every, oh, I hate that guy. Every, oh, I know I should, but... Every single one of those falls short of the glory of God. And Scripture says that the punishment for that, the payment for sin, is death. But the good news in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and I deserved eternal spiritual death. But God in His mercy, God in His grace, God in His love has shown you His favor. Not that you did anything to deserve it. Not that you worked hard enough to earn it. Not that God could look down history one day and say, well, I can see that this person one day is going to do something great in my name. Not because you did anything to earn His favor, but as a free gift. You find redemption in the blood of Jesus. And that gift is not just the taking away of your sin, your sin that was nailed with Him to the cross and died with Him on Calvary. But that gift is taking away your sin and clothing you in righteousness so that you are, God views you as His holy child. You are a holy child of the living God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Not that you earned it, not that you bought it, but out of His love for you, He has made you His child. Nothing in your life made God say, I need that person. But in His love, God says, that person is mine and I am theirs. He says that about you. That is your reminder. That is your strength in the process of making disciples. Not that you have to go out and make enough disciples for God to love you but in the reminder that He loved you first and called you His child and brought you into His family. That is the strength that you and I go out into the world and say, I was loved even though I did not love first. And I want to share that love with you. So this morning, I want you to ask yourself, in the process, where am I? Where are you in this process? Are you trying to figure out life on your own terms? Work, family, faith, all of it. Are you trying to be good enough and figure out the answers on your own and rejecting others that are trying to pour into you? Do you isolate yourself from others relying more on your own strength? than shouldering your burdens with one another and allowing yourself to be known? Have you forgotten 
where the Christian's strength is found? Or rather, do you have someone pouring into you? Someone that you let speak wisdom to your heart when they say, I've been there, I've been where you are. Are you walking with others in the church? Are you walking shoulder to shoulder encouraging one another? Are you actively discipling and pouring yourself into others, encouraging them to continue in the legacy of God's family? Are you resting in the strength of Christ who saved you not because of anything that you have done, not because of your own effort, but by His work and power and grace alone? Where are you in that process? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we confess that far too often that we want to do things on our own terms, that we want to live life according to our own wisdom and our own understanding, that we have rejected the wisdom of others, that we have abandoned others in this process of discipleship. Lord, we confess that and we ask that You would remind us of the love that was poured out on our behalf. Remind us that we had others share Your Gospel truth with us. Remind us that we are not alone in Christian life and that we have the opportunity and the responsibility of encouraging one another and discipling one another. Would You show us the people that we have in our lives that we can pour ourselves into just as someone else has poured into us. And more than anything, God, let us never forget where our strength comes from. That we are not going forward in our own strength. We're not going forward in our own effort. We're not going forward trying to earn your love. We are going out into the world to make disciples because you loved us first. that we're going out there to tell the world that there is no name like Jesus. The Savior of sinners and Redeemer of God's people. Let us go forward in His strength. Let His victory be our peace. And let His work be our rest. Remind us of His victory. And it's in His Holy name we pray. Amen.